Okay, show of hands. Holidays are over. Who had just an awesome, awesome time seeing their families? Raise your hand. Like, it was so, so good. Okay, show your hands. Who had a horrible time seeing their families? Raise your hands. Not raising it because they're sitting next to you or, like, seriously, how many of you, like, let's, let's be honest. How many of us would really say, in, in general, that when it comes to your family, and when I say your family, I'm speaking not just uh, nuclear, meaning the, the individuals that mom, dad, siblings, but like extended family. How many of you would say, I am absolutely burdened for my family in a big way? Like, I, I, I desire to spend time with them. I, I know that who I am is because of what they've done and, and the, the time that's been spent before. Like, raise your hands. How many would feel that way, honestly? Okay. If you, you can't see because you're all looking at me, there's not a lot of hands that go up. And that's both kind of saddening but also very truthful. Obviously, I have to be careful about what I say because my family's in this church right now. So, hi, Dad. No, just kidding. Um, no, uh, the, here's the thing about family. If you, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. If not, the ushers will bring some Bibles around. Um, here's the thing about family. For us, in our day and age, in our um, experience, and our understanding of, of family, it's not something that we really, really get super excited about. It's not something that we overwhelm ourselves with. We do spend holidays and, and birthdays, and we send cards. But really, if, if you ask any person, and most of the college students in here today, if they said, man, I am who I am because of every single thing that every person before me in my family has done, that's who I am today, most of us would say maybe, yeah, I agree with that. But we wouldn't necessarily put a lot of stock or weight in that. In fact, most of us, if we were really honest, have probably estranged families. We have families that have been ripped and torn and are struggling to, to, to stay together. We have families that, that we would say they're siblings that we can't get along with or we don't love or we really struggle to love. There's, there's parents that have just, we haven't talked to parents in for, for years. And, and then add in divorce and all the other implications of what comes to family. And our family life, our, our life as a family in general in America, we'll just use our country today, is, is a mess. Like, family's a mess. And, and all that being said, it doesn't look to be getting much better. Family is under immense attack in general across the nation, across the world, and it is, it is losing its value and its purpose and its intention. And, that, and all that being said, it's, it's getting worse and worse and worse. And so realistically, if you think about it, like my kids, when they get older, there's going to be estranged family inside of us. And that's not necessarily that it has to be that way, and God is, is bigger than that and it's possible. But the reason why I bring that up and say it that way is because what Jesus does in this text today should be so inspiring to all of us. should be so incredibly encouraging because, because not that we can just forsake the, the, the bloodlines that we have, but he is, in essence, in this text right now, at the end of this conversation of rebuking Pharisees and, and clearing up the air about Sabbath and the laws and what it means for the heart to look like it, there's this interaction where, where it happens, and we'll get there in a second, where Jesus has this, this, this interaction with his mother and brothers. And he, he begins to communicate out of that interaction. And what he says is something that I believe if the church, and when I say the church, big C church, if the church actually understood and lived by this rule, the world would be a drastically different place. I believe that the family values of the bloodlines would be drastically different. In fact, 
what's so sad about the church and where it's at right now is most of you, most of you sitting in here, you've, ex- you've experienced small C bo- church bodies over and over and over again. You bounce from one to the next, to the next, to the next. And what ends up happening is, is the big C church, where if you're a follower of Jesus, is, is affected. The bride of Christ is affected in a negative and an adverse way because you're not willing to sit through the ugly and hard and difficult times. And so what happens is because of our willingness to forsake family as a bloodline, nuclear family, I believe that bleeds directly into the way we treat each other. And when I say each other, those of us that claim the name of Christ. And so Matthew chapter 12, Jesus has just like waylaid the Pharisees. I mean, he is like on a roll and it is just this out of control argument where basically he's coming, he, he rotates back to to their, their heart and talks about what does it really mean to be a heart. And then he just finishes this idea of unclean spirits and saying, look, you can't do anything to make yourself right. It has to start from inside. The Holy Spirit has to take up residence in your heart if you want to be saved, if you want to be freed, if you want to be whole again. And so he has this conversation, and this is, this is um, this next conversation that he has is, is recorded in Mark as well and in Luke. And Mark says it a little bit differently, so I'm just going to read it here, and then we'll, we'll talk about how Mark says it as well. While he was still speaking to the people, most likely outdoors at this point, but again, in this spot, Mark lays out the, 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 the kind of the area around him. There were so many people around him that it was hard for them to get to him. And that's important because of the question of the statement that they have. It says, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards, toward the disciples, he said, here are my bro- mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and mother. And so what Jesus does is this, this scenario, Mark tells us that, that the brothers came and, and, and and Mary, and most likely we assume that Joseph has passed at this time. We haven't heard anything else from him at this point. But even if Joseph was still alive, um, Jesus very quickly identified no longer Joseph as his father, but God as his father. And so in this situation, he now, he just lays out this beautiful picture of adoption. This incredibly beautiful picture of who his brothers and his sisters and his mother are. And this is key to understand, I don't think Jesus is being disrespectful to Mary and, and his brothers, but this is, this is um, because they didn't come at him in a harsh way and make a big scene. In fact, they stood outside the group and sent one person to him. So they were trying to respect him. And so there's all sorts of scholars that disagree about, like, what was their approach and what were they doing? Mark tells us that, that at least his brothers were concerned for his sanity. So Mark tells us that his brothers are like, these are, they're concerned for sanity. We know all the way from John chapter 7 that his brothers did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. It took Jesus dying and raising from the dead, which, don't get me wrong, if my brother did that, I'd probably be a believer pretty soon too. Right? And then James ended up being the, the lead of the, the church in Jerusalem. And so, so he it tells us that they didn't believe. Now, we, we can assume from most texts that Mary did believe in Jesus. And so maybe her motivation was he's starting to strike at the Pharisees and the scribes, and there's word and murmur getting around the area of their desire to kill him, their desire to destroy him. So maybe she's, she's hoping, like, hey, let's pull him out. Let's get him out of here so that nothing happens to him. 
So maybe in her mind, she's thinking she's helping his mission and his, his value and his words. And so they send this person in. And Jesus does this, this rebuke to the people, but not really rebuke to his family. It's important to understand because there's a lot of people that would love to argue with the fact that Jesus isn't, um, doesn't really believe in family at all. And that is just not true. That's not true at all. In fact, the way he defines the church, he defines it as a family. Jesus would uphold, and he was perfect and sinless, so he upheld the fifth commandment of honor your father, father and mother perfectly. So we can't say that he, he doesn't do that, but what he does is he takes their question and he, he reorients it for a very, very, very scandalous thing in the Jewish culture. Because to us, most of us sitting here, we would be like, yeah, you know, family, I call a cousin every now and then. I could come to town and I wouldn't do it. And, and to, to this culture, family was it. Your inheritance, your value, your, your, your presence, what you did for a living, everything was set in motion by family. They would not have forsaken each other. This is why when I joked about um, this is Jesus coming to Bethlehem and saying that there's no room, he went and visited a family member. There's no way a family member would have turned away a, a very, very pregnant woman. That's free. We can talk about it another time. Okay? But the point is his family was extremely important and valuable to this culture. They lived in this way. They would do everything. In fact, um, Jesus couldn't be naysaying his parents or not honoring his mother because Deuteronomy 21 told him that if, hey, you've got a stubborn child, if you've got a stubborn child and they won't, they won't follow you, then take them out of the city and have the men of the city stone them to death. And so Jesus understood what it meant to honor his father and mother, understood what it meant, but what he's doing, he's now opening up the gates to something so much bigger, something so much more beautiful. And so what Jesus does is he, he tells me, he's like, look, this isn't, this isn't, you aren't, my, my mother is, isn't there. He's not saying that it's not true that he didn't come from Mary because that's true. He's saying, but my brothers and my sister and my mother are those who do the will of the father. Something else to be clear, I think, is, is, is worth saying is that the, the Roman Catholic belief that Mary was a state of virgin is destroyed in this scripture alone because Jesus had brothers and sisters. And so this, this belief, this value that Mary is higher and that she had this holiness and we need to go to her, that is, that is destroyed in a number of different places in Scripture. But what Jesus is doing right here is he's saying, look, Mary, there is times, when even when someone's like, like he heals this woman in the, in the crowd, we went there, right? And he's like, bless the woman who, who fed you on her breasts and who carried you in her womb. And Jesus very quickly says, no, bless those who do the will of the Father. Those are the ones that are blessed. And so it wasn't that he didn't believe that Mary was valuable because Mary was valuable and she was important. She played a very intricate part and he loved her immensely. When he was dying on the cross, he looked at John and said, take care of my mother. So Jesus didn't dislike Mary, but he was not about elevating her to some level of holiness or idolship. And so Jesus is very clear laying out this groundwork saying, no, my family is here. One other thing about this, if you're in the ESV, um, there is no verse 47. Now all of you are like, wait, what? There's no 47? Um, NASB and INNV have 47. 46 and 47 say exactly the same thing. The ESV combined them. So in the ESV, you just get 46 to 48. Some people want to try and say that's like, like look, the, the Bible's wrong. It's, it's not. It's fine. Um, but but anyways, this is, this is this text. So what Jesus is doing is saying, these are my brothers, these are my sisters, and these are my mother. Now this is so huge. 
this is so huge, and I think for most of us, we don't understand this because for us, it's like we just, you know, we go to church on a Sunday, we hear an okay teaching, we like the music, we find it, and if we don't, we go find somewhere else and we do this, and we just kind of keep bouncing around. And what I think is, is so incredible, like if you think about it, one of the best ways that God has sanctified me was me getting married. I don't know if that's the case for any of you else, but I figure out how selfish I am very quickly when I have a wife. And I feel like God uses my wife, my bride, as, as awesome as she is and as amazing as she is, to really point out areas of, hey, Bren, this isn't, this isn't good. This isn't of me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that very obvious. And if you're, if you're married, you're like, amen, I feel that all the time. Or maybe they're like, oh, that's why it's so hard. Maybe I should figure that out. Guys, you should probably lean into that a little bit more. Same thing happens from kids. Once you have kids, you realize just how much less time you have and how much more selfish you are. And so God uses the relationships around us to make us more like his son, Jesus Christ. And so the worst thing we could do as a church, as a, a small C church, as a Rev 22, or as any church, or as the greater C church, is to push away from the table and bail and not commit to one another like Jesus is calling us to here. And so this is why this is so important. Most of us, and I get it, I will be the first one to say that, look, the church has done a really, really poor job of being a family. In fact, many people have stood in my position and they've lived out this, this, this kind of lordship, um, do it at the way I do it, and they've, they've just wailed. And a number of you are sitting in the seat and you're like, you're tensing up because you're like, you're about to tell me that I need to do more for the church. And that's not what I'm going to say. Because you've been burned by people in this position. And you've seen this. And most of us, and, and I'm going to pick on you college students that are in here. Most of you college students like, man, I don't need that. I'll just go over here and I got this and this is so much more better and I'll just do this. And you just kind of bounce from relationship to relationship. And what you're basically doing is you're removing the community that God has placed around you to do something immaculate and amazing. And here's the thing. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Ephesians 3. And there's this huge section where the Apostle Paul is talking about what does it mean for the church? Now, so most of you are like, I don't believe in the church or wherever you're at. I know I'm bouncing all over, but, but hear me out on this. The Apostle Paul is talking about what does it mean to be a part of the church? What does it really mean? And he basically says, look, I had every right. We know all these things about who he was. And he says the church isn't just Jew. It's Gentile too. It isn't just those that were born under Abraham, and that's why what Jesus is saying is so scandalous to every single person right here. He's saying it doesn't matter what birthright you have. If you want to be a part of my family, you must do the Father's will. Surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord. If you want to be a part of God's family, that's it. It doesn't matter your birthright. It doesn't matter teenagers. It doesn't matter if your parents were raised you in the church. That's, not, that's a birthright thing. It is your salvation, your relationship individually with Christ. And so what Apostle Paul does is he does this, and he says, now here's the most amazing, the mystery of Christ in this, is that he says in verse um, around 20 in Ephesians, he says the mystery of Christ is unveiled. The manifold wisdom of Christ is displayed in the church when the church is the church. That means that every aspect of the wisdom of God can be present when the church actually lives as the church. And is the church. That means that, that, that when you and I sit in our positions and we take the gifts that God has given us and we say, you know what, 
I'm going to do this. I'm going to use this for his kingdom. Not so I can be like, look at me, I'm holy. I'm going to use this for his glory. And when each of us do this and we, we, we come around a table and we do this together, then what we display has nothing to do with us and everything to show the wisdom and the mystery and the beauty of Christ. But see, we don't think that way. We don't live that way. For most of us, it's, eh, you know, I'll, I'll show up every now and then. I don't like this church. I'll go to that church, and I don't like this church. And I'll be the first one to tell you there are amazing churches all over this valley, amazing Bible-teaching, Bible-believing churches doing amazing things. And the worst thing that you could do is jump from one to the next to the next to the next to the next. I understand there's a season and there's a time and there's a, there's a point to go into it and to jump into a family. But when it gets hard, by just, just pushing away from the table and running away, that's not a covenantal relationship. And what Jesus is just saying is my adoption into having the same Father as I do comes for those that do the will of the Father. So this means that those that we're going to go serve in the Philippines, Pastor William and Mercy, they are my brother and sister. And so I should be equally in burdened and in pain for what they're going through, and therefore I will push into that relationship. This means that the person sitting in the row in front of you that has too tall of a head and you can't see and you're getting frustrated, they're your brother or your sister. This means that when, when one of us is ready to celebrate, Romans tells us, right, we celebrate together, we, we mourn together. But see, the church can never be this because here's why. Because most of us, we have dysfunctional families, which all of us do, and we've experienced this pain of when someone knew something about us, they used it against us, and we got hurt. And so therefore, we justify another brick in the wall against people around us. And what ends up happening is we end up having this brick wall around us, and we're, we're essentially a hollow vessel, not being used to sharpen one another, not being used to care for one another, the 59 plus one another's in the Bibles are commandments of how believers are to treat other believers. And we don't like this. We struggle with this because it's hard and it's difficult. And it hurts. And what Jesus is saying, he's saying, look, it's amazing. James, you're my brother. That's cool. You ended up running the G Jerusalem church after me. Took you, took you seeing me, raised from the dead to believe me, great. You know, you're awesome. But, but really who my brothers are are those that do the will of the Father. And surrender to Him. And surrendering to Him means that I'm going I'm to commit to this relationship. If we actually, as I was reading on ancient um, Palestine um, families and how they lived, if we actually treated our, just our, our nuclear families that way, there'd probably be more dysfunction. But either way, it could be really, really amazing. Like the entire family, and the, like it wasn't just the nuclear family, it would go out to the community and then the community again. And, and then it was this entire co community that was raising this family, and every single person had the burden for every single new baby. Well, let me ask you a question. How many of you have been burdened for the people that you saw get baptized? Like, they need to know more of Jesus. How many of you have actually gone, I want to be a part of showing them something. I don't have much, but I just need to empty what I have. But look, you're just, you're new in the faith. Let me teach you what it means to follow Jesus as a mom, as a wife, as a woman, as a dude, as a high school guy, as a college guy. Let me show you what, what God did for me, and then you'll have to get it from someone else. My, my feeling is that most of us aren't burdened like that for one another. In fact, most of us are sitting in a seat going, why isn't someone burdened for me? 
Come on, someone do something for me. And we view church that way. Ah, you know what? The teaching was, it was okay, but, oh, the worship, eh, you know. And there are justifiable reasons to find a community to be a part of. I'm not saying that you can't leave a church and go to, I'm not saying that at all. But I feel like a lot of times we get so impatient, so difficult. Did you ever think that maybe the burning desire of something to happen in you is something that God gave you to do as a part of his community so that the manifold wisdom of God could be displayed better? Like, did you ever think about that? See, and I feel like most of us, we, we run from this. And Jesus is saying right here in this amazing way, he's like, dude, it doesn't matter what you were born into. Like, I get it, we're all like Abraham, lots, lots of sons, cool, that's neat. But, but really what matters most is those that do the will of the Father. And I would contend and argue and encourage every single one of you, you are incapable of doing the will of the Father if you live in Boise, Idaho, and you are a follower of Jesus, and you're rogue, and you think you can do it by yourself. I understand. I've had, I've, there's, I've understand people argue like, look, you, you can do, you can be a believer alone. That's right. There's someone that was in prison, and he's in isolation. He came to Christ, and, and God will be sufficient enough. But you're not in prison. You're not alone. You have many people sitting around you, and you have an opportunity to be a part of a community. So invest in it. Not for Revolution 22's name. Not for the, the other church's names. Not for anything, but for the fact that we are the bride of Christ to display the manifold wisdom of God on earth today. And so this whole, I don't really care, I don't need to invest, is just, it's offensive to what Jesus is saying. Because if you really saw me as your brother, you'd treat me in a different way. If I really saw you as my sister, I would treat you differently. As this, we all have the same dad, same father, like that would drastically change the way we treated and lived and displayed the work of Christ in our lives. Let me get it. Let me push a little bit harder and then we'll, we'll, we'll land this gravy train or whatever it is. My assumption is, is that most of you are sitting here at some way and you're like, and, and let me say it this way, guys, before I even go there. There are a lot of you that, that understand this and do this incredibly well. There are a lot of you that, like, that love incre incredibly well. We have seen some extremely difficult situations as a little small C church, and I have seen you time and time again show up as his bride in amazing ways in people's lives. And so there's some of you that are just doing incredibly well, and it's so beautiful. And even in those very situations, I've had people that weren't a part of this community baffled by what you're doing. So God shows up. But there's a lot of you. There's a lot of you that are like, yeah, yeah, this, like, this, is, this is where home is. And you're doing this to another church. You're visiting today, and you're just visiting because you're like, yeah, I just came with a friend, which is okay. It's okay. Like I said, Bible-believing, all one church. We're not in competition. I still haven't found competition in the Bible. I'm looking for it, but I haven't found it yet. But you're here today, and you're doing this, and you're just, you're just, you're just holding out for something. You're just holding out to... to to do something. You're saying, well, when I graduate, then I'll actually be a part of God's kingdom and I'll do what he's called me to do. Stop it. If you're seeing, you're like, well, once I find a spouse, then I will stop it. You're called to make disciples today as a follower of Jesus. Like, if, 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 
in, in Palestine time, if, if a baby was being born and something happened to that, that mother, it was not a question as to whether or not that baby was taken care of. There wasn't, there wasn't like, there wasn't a, oh, who's going to do it? It was every single person stepped and said, we are doing this. It is our job to do this. What if every single one of us believed that about the people sitting next to us? What if you just said, you know, I don't know you, and there are so many social awkward things to get through, and I get that, and it's difficult, but because of God saving me into a community, out of my covenantal relationship with him, including community, I will not forsake gathering together. I will not forsake the relationship. This is my brother. This is my sister. This is my mother. And we all have the same dad. And we don't have to be in competition. Like, dad doesn't love one brother than the other. Well, I always, I grew up as a forgotten middle child. I got some baggage there. But that's not, <laughs> sorry, dad. Sorry, dad. <coughs> I wasn't. But the, the point is, is God loves each of us immensely. And what if, what if those of you that had some extra time committed that extra time to serving someone in need? What if some of you that had extra money committed that extra money to serving someone who's struggling? What if some of you that just said, you know what, I've been following Jesus for a while and that person got dis- baptized and I remember 10 years ago when I got baptized, some of the questions I had, so I'm just going to make myself available. Not that I have all the answers, but I'm just going to make myself available because I am burdened to see them this way. It's why last week when I asked you guys to serve in the, in the kids' area because I said we are a family and it is not fair, it is not right for us to, to completely destroy a couple family members so that they can keep serving every single service and never be a part of church. Like That's not how you do family. It's the same thing. It's, this, is, this is meant to be something so beautiful. Now here, let me just save you the, 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 the last question or the, the fear that you may have. It's dysfunctional. It stinks. Let me tell you right now, you're going to sit down, you're going to be like, I'm going to do this, and then you're going to get burned, and it's going to hurt. And you're going to use that as a reason. Well, see, I tried to do it with someone, and they didn't want me to come, or they didn't, they didn't ever do it. Or I tried to serve, and I wasn't valued in that way. Or I tried to, I tried to enter into this relationship with someone, and they didn't really care. It's going to happen. Why? Because we're all broken, messed up people in need of God's grace. But what if, what if you were, you were more burdened for the person sitting next to you? And here's why this is important. This is the, the last thing. Here's why this is important. It's because next week or the week after, someone sitting next to you might be finally giving a chance to the creator who brought you peace. Someone might be coming in going, you know what, I don't even know if I believe this, but I... My friend said it, so I'm showing up. And if you just treat them like a leper, which is kind of what we do, if you, just, if you just disengage or don't have any desire to try and get to know them or, or put yourself out there or let yourself be hurt in that, then what you're just basically telling them is, hey, this isn't really that need of a community to be a part of. And really what they're doing is it's not like they're going to go, okay, I give up on Revolution 22. Like I said, that doesn't matter. It's that they're going to give up on Big C Church. You know, every, every church wants to be the Acts 2 church. They want to be that church where it's like, man, we baptized 2,000 people today. You know what was most intriguing about that church? 
is that, okay, yeah, they all gave up all their money and no one had need and they all did all else and I'm not about to say that and let's do it now. No, that's not what I'm doing. But what was most amazing about that, about that community is that people that weren't in that family, people that were on this family over here were looking and going, I want that. I want, I want that. I see that. You see that right there? That person right there, they just got in there like there was a disagreement, but instead of dividing and then splattering it all over social media and picking a side, they said, no, 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 I'm not going to push away from the table. Let's open this up. Let's be humble enough, and let's spend some time in unity looking this through and, and sharpening one another. What happened is, is, is people on the outside desired to be a part of that. We're so stinking divided as a church today that most people are like, I don't want to be a part of that. I'll go over here and just love these people because at least they're getting loved. That's so backwards. That should be offensive to anyone that bears the name Christ. You realize that that should be so offensive. How, how could anyone in any way, shape, or form view the bride of Christ that way when he did so much for blood was spilled, perfect blood was spilled for the bride of Christ. So what would it look like if you were just willing to say, you know what, I don't care. The time I have, the, the, the experience I have, whatever, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest in family. And this is going to be this awkward thing where, you know, no matter what, you're always going to have that one uncle. You're like, oh, he's just crazy, you know, but it's cool. I'm going to love him anyways. That's going to happen here. What happened if we actually started treating that way? Single dudes, single girls? What happens if you actually just started treating each other like brothers and sisters? It'd make that whole dating thing a lot less difficult. Not in the awkward way afterwards. But what would happen? What would happen if I could look at Jess and she could say, Bren, you know what? Because we value kids so much and we send the gospel in the kids' ministry so much, I have so many people to help in there. We need to find something else to do because I don't want them to feel like they're not doing anything. It would never happen. There's no way because people love to not show up or whatever. Like, you know, what would happen if, if we just did that? I can tell you what would happen. A few of us are going and we're going to come up and pray. Um, the band can come up right now. Um, We'll pray at the end of the service. A few of us are headed to the Philippines to spend some time with, with a number of different organizations, but William and Mercy, specifically Fisher Christ Alliance Church. Um, one of the things that, that slapped me across the face, like backhanded me while like mid-stride, was the way that William and Mercy did family. Like it blew me away. Like that community desired, and I realized really quickly, it'd be easy for us Americans to go, well, it's because they have to. Yeah, they have to. But what if we actually had to? What if we viewed it as not out of, out of need am I going to do this? What if we just said, you know what? I have to be burdened for my brother and my sister. I have to be because God has put us together and therefore he's going to use us to sharpen each other, to bring each other, to bring more glory to Christ. What, hap what would happen if we actually did that? I can tell you what happened is your marriages would be different. The relationship would be different. People would actually know what's going on. A lot, a lot of you would carry a lot less sin because you'd have people around you that were willing to go, look, this isn't, this isn't good, brother. 
And what would end up happening is the manifold wisdom of God would be displayed in a much more beautiful way. And, and it wouldn't be people going, oh, look at what this little church doing. They're like, look at what Jesus has done. I want some of that. I want to be a part of that. Pray, Heavenly Father, thank you for being our Father. God, for those that have surrendered their will to you, that, that align their lives to do the will of you. God, you, are, you, are, you, are, you have knit us, adopted us into your family, and made us brothers and sisters. Forgive me for forsaking them. Forgive me for not valuing that. Forgive the church for not looking like a family. God, may we be more burdened to carry, uh, to bear one another in ways of joy, in ways of trial, in ways of financial needs, in ways of time. God, would you start stripping away our selfishness and our pride and our arrogance and our fears. God, may we be a community of people that are so authentic and real and sold out for what you're doing that others on the outside just long to be a desire, to be a part of it. God, may you actually create a burden in each of us that are your children here today for your work, for your will, for your things. And right now as I even pray this, there are some of us in here that, that have, have, have sinned against a brother or sister. We have fallen short. We have, we, have, we have failed. Would you remind those that, that your grace is lavish, but there is steps, there is repentance to do it. And I pray right now that, that if there's someone in here that's struggling to, to, to make right a sin or they have something against a brother, would they lay their offering at the altar, go and be reconciled first, Lord, so that their worship can be done as a family. And for those of us in here, that this may just mean that we've forsaken even our nuclear family, our grandma, our aunt, our uncle, or our cousins, and we've just kind of given up on them. God, as, as, as believers, would you give us the strength and, and the, the will to, to push into those relationships despite the pain that comes? Help us to see healthy boundaries in that, but God, may you get glory for it. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.